0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Insurance Couch, um, as usual, um, with my lovely co-host, Olli. Oli, how are you this fine morning? Very fine on our couch. Thank you very much. Hello to everybody. This was actually one of the things normally we just start recording, so we have the discussion uh, live, but we've actually had a little bit of a precursor on, on this one because
1: um, it's a very interesting topic. <laughs> um, Ollie, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the what we call the one policy an all-risk uh, policy, basically that covers um, uh, customers, and we, we talk retail customers' entire life um, income and uh, and expenses. Um, and, and you said it actually in the before we started recording. It's it's basically a uh, an excess of loss coverage for a for a private person or a private household. Um, that covers any event that reduces income or increases um, expenses on an unexpected basis and And I think um,
0: th- because, you know, we had there's bundled policies. there's all risk policies, and you know in different shapes and forms. I think the the key difference of this one, when we talk, you know, excess or a deductible, you mean a significant deductible, which is why, it could, to, to use an analogy, look quite similar to an excess of loss policy usually known from the reinsurance business. Do, could you could you kind of elaborate how how the... Maybe before we go into the why, I think it's quite interesting, how the mechanics kind of work. When you mean all risk, do you really mean all risk? What is the size of a deductible? And how do you then price the, the risk and what is a um, level of premium? Because... We've all had one policy. is great. Always super expensive. No one's going to buy. And yeah, I just kind of yeah. want to, so so people don't go. It's just one of these again. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop listening. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, of course, of course. I mean, it's and you know the the first aspect I think is you know actuaries don't listen, but uh, it's basically a negative catalog instead of a positive catalog. So we're not bundling. Different insurance policies into a you know insurance bundle, um, and it covers your car and your house and your belongings um, and and well, you know private liability or whatever. Um, it's a negative catalog, so it covers anything, everything. That either reduces your income unexpectedly could be an illness, could be you know you need to take care of your of your mother or father because they're you know they, they can't take care of themselves anymore. Could be you becoming a father or mother and take care of the children. Um, could be you become unemployed or unable to work because you know you're dis- dis- disabled. Anything that reduces your income unexpectedly, um, and that's basically the neck the and the negative catalog could be except for. Whatever, right? Except for things you planned. Um, so if you leave your job um, and you you know start in a startup and the startup doesn't work, that could be expected. Um, so it's a negative catalog, except for, and same on the on the on the expenses side. So any unexpected expense, you know, you get into a fight with your neighbor and the lawyer costs a lot of money. Um, you get into a car accident. Your mobile phone gets stolen Um, you have unexpected um, health expenses because you have a critical illness and it's not covered by public health insurance anything that that increases your your expenses unexpectedly Um, and again except for and there could be a catalog ideally there's no catalog so ideally there's no negative um, um, um exclusions um but that's basically it we want to make sure that a private person or private household can live their lives Independently, if something unexpected happens to them, and they can actually focus on living their lives and not be worried about oh that could happen, this could happen oh you know so um, you know spending money on the summer vacation is not unexpected because you plan it right so we're not covering higher than normal expenses or so it's it's something that happens to your life that that you don't plan for that comes from external basically right um, and why the, why deductible or why an excess of loss well, I mean, if you go to a good financial advisor today, um, he or she probably—I think that's a rule of thumb—at um, least when when I talk to them, you know, they advise you to um, have three monthly gross salaries on your checking account in order to cover for for those unexpected things, right? Um, you become sick, you get into a car accident, you—anything happens. And I think this is this is a this is a good advice. Um, and I think we should cover everything above that. So three, you know, for I guess for for lower income people, three monthly salaries is is a lot to ask. So I I could you know I could go down to one or two monthly gross salaries, but that's basically what you need to cover yourself. Um, and everything in excess of that uh, could be a bad salaries,
0: where... right? So this income you have to spend. I, I think they or... say gross matter.
1: salary. I, I mean, you know, we will we'll find that we'll find a solution. Anything, you know. Um, so we need a minimum of I'd say at least one. Gross or net salary. And for for very rich people, that could actually go up to 12 or 24 um, net or gross salaries if they have a lot of savings, right? So we're talking a significant portion of risk you take yourself. And then we take anything in excess. What that means is basically a bad year where a lot of things happen to you. Your car breaks down, you know, your you know, you lose your mobile phone and you don't find it anymore, and one of your children gets sick or so, right? So that could actually you know, sum mm-hmm. up to expenses um, that, that are higher than than one or two or three monthly salaries. Or it could be one single catastrophic loss, you know, your house burns down or or whatever, you know, you, you, you get sick and, and you need to travel abroad to get a special treatment, but your basic health coverage doesn't cover it. So, you know, this is what we're talking about. Um, and so, yes, we're talking an excessive loss of one to three minimum monthly salaries, net or gross need to be decided. Um, and that's basically... Things that would probably take, you know, a significant impact on your life, uh, on your household life, on your family life. We want to cover that financially. Um, you no, know, still doesn't get rid of the of the the illness of your son or daughter, but we want to cover that financially for you.
0: And within this similar structure, how would the so how would the premiums being calculated? Well, uh,
1: um, that's a that's a discussion. Um, we've had discussions with insurance. Persons mostly actuaries that say, "Hey, we need a lot of data. Um, ideally, we can collect this data, you know, digitally, and we don't through have to- AI through AI through AI. You know, whatever. Yes. Um, and and it's it's a personalized pricing um, over a lot of lines of business. That's more the old thinking, I guess. But you, you could do that, you know. Um, and, and 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 there's people, and we've discussed about that. There's people that probably find it fair." that um you know households with lower risk let's say they are renting their apartment and not and not owning it pay less than than people with uh, with a higher risk profile so that could be one uh, one approach to it the, another approach could be more a, a more solidary approach where we for example tie the premium to your income um okay. and you know under the assumption that higher income means higher risk in terms of you know you typically potentially own a house or a bigger car or you know have have you know jewelry or bigger watches or whatever. Um, so it could be tied to the salary um, almost like a social security. Um, and obviously there's there's the approach of a flat rate, right? Uh, it costs amount X per person. In your family, so it's or, or you know amount X for singles and amount Y for for families. So it could be a, a, actually a flat rate, um, where again you know it's it's it depends on the level of solidarity and the level of or the or the the definition of fairness that you have. Um, you could price it very differently, but obviously it needs to be it needs to be higher than the losses. <laughs> So if we, but let's say we were to peg it against income,
0: um, and we'd say, you know, two to three grosser, what's it what would be the percentage of the premium because my limited exposure to all risk policies or, or one policies was always, it's just too costly. Yeah. um, Because one of the reasons also, you know, whilst the positive catalog is annoying. In a yeah. way, I get that the fine print. It's not just to screw you over, it is d- developed from kind of actual incidences to kind of make the risk portfolio manageable. Um, and so it developed over time. Um, so 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 what what percentage of income would we be talking about? Because I mean, you know
1: we've we looked at it. Um and I mean if you if you set the deductible um at let's say three monthly salaries you could probably have that all risk one policy for between 3 and 5% of your gross income so you're mm-hmm. earning let's say 50000 euros a year um, you know we're talking 1500 to 2500 um, euros per year for for that all risk coverage in excess again of two three monthly salaries
0: okay okay and and maybe that is <clears throat> the way I'm thinking about it. Is almost, you know, designing it top down. It's almost how much are you willing to pay, and then you design probably the deductible or the exclusion catalog, uh, you know, one of those things appropriate, rather than the other way around. Because I think that's probably quite likely we'll. But you you'll go into that. It's it's particularly for for people or go to markets where you. Do not want to go through the individual risk assessment um, because that is a very alternative approach So probably going how much do you think you can spend in general for anything unexpected and then you play with the deductible and maybe there's certain exclusions like i don't know maybe unemployment is considered something else than health i don't know well but it, to, to be to be discussed, to be discussed. Um,
1: i mean it's, it's, it's typically a bit I mean, 2,500 would be higher than the average Central European person pays on insurance every year. Um, but the reason is very simple. You know, we have huge insurance gaps. We all know that. You know, in, in even in continental Europe, you know, we have less than 50% of all risks insured. Right. So more than 50% are paid for either by the households. You know, it's it's just a, it's it's a bad year, or they fall into insolvency, or are paid by the state. You know, look at the big natural catastrophes are uh, in, in Germany two years ago that's been that's been a lot of that it's been paid by the state uh, by the by the government by, by 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 the taxpayer basically right because people have not been insured their house are destroyed they can't afford a new house so they get somewhat from from the state uh, or from the, from the taxpayer so if you have that you know that the, if, if you pay the 2500 um let's let's put it on the upper end on the five percent of your of your gross salary um it also means we are putting or we're taking strain off the social security right so in in results social security costs should come down mm-hmm. okay so so and that kind of gets
0: me so basically why the one policy why does it even matter what you're saying is that we have this 50 percent uninsured losses um probably a lot around things like you know um natural catastrophes that are not covered um certain you know health i don't even health maybe normal health probably not so much but uh what you you know uh disability
1: care yeah Disability. Mm-hmm. I mean, eighty percent of all people in Germany are not insured for disability. In Switzerland, that's that's again part of the social security. But in Germany, it's not anymore since the late nineties or so. Eighty percent are not insured uh, against disability, so income loss for disability reasons, not insured. You know, they they end up in state welfare, um, so elderly care. Same thing, right? I mean, um, we, we in, in Germany, the average, you know, um, private payment to elderly care is two thousand five hundred a month, I think. You know the average duration of of care is I think nine to twelve months, um but going up to three years if you're if you're unlucky, um, so we're talking huge sums, and that's um, that ends up with the children. If you don't have children, you know, taxpayers are paying for it. So we have huge gaps um outside natural catastrophes. Would you say that elderly care is expected or unexpected? That's a very, very good question. Um. I mean, the statistics is, I think every about fifty percent of all people are falling into elderly care. Um I think on a personal basis, it is unexpected because at least when you're married, you know, it's not totally clear. I mean, there's a hint, but it's not totally clear who's going to end up in elderly care. Typically the first person in a marriage that falls into into the care, um, you know, is is being cared of by the other person. That typically is the men, uh, and then the woman in a in a marriage typically, typically um, falls into the elderly care where nobody can take care of the, of her, except they have children who again should must then you know go down with their with their pension and uh, you know a, a percentage in, in work in order to take care of their mum. So um, it's I mean fifty percent is is close to being expected. I'd, yeah, to be discussed. I mean, I think okay. the, the the main discussion is what is unexpected and expected. And you're fully right. Elderly care could fall into the expected category. Probably would put it into the unexpected. But yes, I'm. I'm. I mean pension, you know, pension gap, you know, I'm earning less money in pension you know, from state pension than from my employer. That's clearly expected from my perspective. Again, that can be discussed, but from my perspective, that's clearly ex- to be expected. You can't work forever. You know, there's a pension age in every country. So I would call that expected. Elderly care, ah, different thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think, and, and, you know, the catalog is, you know, natural high. Ha- and you can argue the same thing: global yes. warming is it unexpected, flooding, etc. But I think there's, you know, um, let's say, but but the principle is it needs to be unexpected and and largely out of your control, right? Um, because if it's something where you say, for example, when you said legal risks, I was thinking, getting sued, yes getting a free for all to suing or you know i mean you still have the deductible at the, at the lower end right um so i think that's just always something to forget what we're talking about is excess of loss there's a huge deductible within yep. these things so there is uh, this is and of of 2 to 3 months grossely so so the the enormous benefits of deductibles around moral hazard will apply i think it's just some Easy to forget uh, when you just talk about the um, the risks as well. Um, yeah,
1: and I know I, know in in legal um, in legal protection, I'd argue you know getting your right should not be a question of income. So you know I'm a small case, but you know I bought something a couple of thousand euro, not not super expensive. I bought something in an online. You know they didn't send it to me. I paid obviously with my credit card. And they don't give me back the, the money, right? So should it be a factor of me being insured or being able to afford a lawyer to get my money back, yes or no? I say no. And th- in this case, I'm suing the company, right? So it's not only about being sued. It's all, it's, all, it's also about getting your right if somebody does and, harm to you.
0: And in, in that case, because I was thinking about it, but the deductible would have to be at the loss, yes. right? So I would say um, you ordering something on Amazon, that's probably still your own problem. You know, that's probably, it's probably not going to be, it's not a loss of three. It doesn't sound like a loss of three gross, uh, monthly incomes no. and in terms of the loss at risk, right. Um, saying, let's say, um, not getting, I don't know, um, mold out of, out of your bill. You know, I th- yeah. but it's interesting, you know, I think there's, there's larger things or, um, uh, getting, um, okay. Understood. It's it, legal risk is going to be interesting. Um, anyway, um, understood.
1: Private liability now- is also in your, I mean, you're doing harm to others. So when you say it's not under your control, you know, private liability, Naturally, is under your control because you're doing, or uh, your children, or your dog, or your and horse. that's the other thing.
0: You probably don't want to have people breaking laptops and smaller things, but what you do you do want, you know, is if you've caused a, caused a, an accident as a biker or something, and someone gets seriously injured, that that is covered. Um, yes. If if it's not already, I mean, private liability in Germany is is, is quite big, etc. Okay. Um, so I always think how, how would we, what's the go-to market? How do we, let's, let's say we can structure a product in such a way, find a risk carrier, which is tough. And we'll go into a lot of the complications around lines of business, regulations, et cetera. But it's, let's say we could solve that. There's still a larger, in my view the biggest problem with new insurance products is customers getting customers yes. and I getting see. customers means distribution let's face it unless yes. you think we just place it on tiktok or something which yeah. i i know you um a little bit it's probably not your first uh, magic and silver bullet here so how do you see how do you see this spread how do we what what target customers and and what would be your first Go to market to be validated. If we wanted to put this into practice,
1: well, there's there's two approaches, I guess. Uh, one is you approach a a private a retail customer and expect him or her to pay for the premiums themselves. Um, then it's a it's a direct sale to the customer. I probably start with some promising, you know, sub segments uh, of the population. Uh, it could be um, expatriates. Um, that come into a country are not familiar at all with the with the with the social security system and the and the and the insurance system. When I came to Switzerland 16 years ago, you know you, you would think that Switzerland and Germany are very similar, but they're not in terms of social security and 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 uh, and insurance. Right? All of a sudden, I had to insure myself for health insurance, totally privately, while in Germany this was taken care of by the employer state combination. So this could be a a, a potential segment: um, first time jobbers. We have no insurance at all, don't have to cancel anything. Um, instead of advising them on what they need in insurance, you know, a, f- a flat rate on you know everything is insured. You're moving out of your 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 parents' home you know, you pay a flat rate and everything is insured could be could be one all very rich people with a huge deductible even actually a deductible of more than 3 months salary because they have such a high savings volume you know Xfold the, the the income they could potentially afford a 1 year income deductible or whatever um which actually would probably make this product cheaper than their current insurance so that actually they could actually save money so that could be the the segments uh, you could approach when 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 you know approaching a customer and asking them to pay for for the, for the premium directly now you could argue that you know if you could have that that coverage for 3 to 5% of your gross salary why not include that into into employee benefits why not find a very social employer uh, who says you know? I actually pay that for you guys, right? You now a thousand employees uh, instead of paying them fifty thousand per year each on average, I pay 52.5 50, thousand per year, which is not a lot, but you could potentially you know market this on the on the job market could you know fill empty positions easier. So that would be a different sale than the the you know the the policyholder doesn't pay the premium, but the employer pays the premium. That's obviously a different approach, and then you probably approach employers who already have a big employee benefits program and are known to be social, you know, DM in Germany would probably be a, a place to go um, uh, or other employer, no, no, not, not to say that other employers are not social, but, you know, this this could be another approach um, where the payer of the premium is different from the receiver of the, of the coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Makes,
0: makes, understood. Now, let's say, we have validated, you know, with you know either distribution channels that have access to the three segments or larger employer, and they've said, you know, roughly, yep, this could be this could be interesting. Um what challenges does this face to set up um operationally, um compliance, regulatorily?
1: I mean, we've we've had so-called all-risk policies. Before we talked about that, that's typically a combination of existing policies into a bigger policy bundle. You know, motor, home, private liability, belongings, whatever. Um, so, the, and the reason this has been this has been done that way is we still have the line of business separation in, as an insurance company, as a regulated insurance company. Right, we have to price line of business by line of business. In many cases, we have to prove to the regulator that the price for this line, for this specific line of business and this specific product, is correct um, and not cross subsidizing others. Um, US is very; the US regulators are very strict on. You know, they actually have to hand in tariffs, and they have mm-hmm. to decide: you know is this fairly priced? Yes or no? Um, in Europe, it's on the health and life insurance; it's 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 fairly strict actually. Um, and uh, in, in 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 PNC, it's not; it's typically not so strict. But you know. Poland is stricter than Germany, whatever. So there is the line of business separation, which means it is regulatory, it's it's a difficult task. Um, you probably have to build a, a MGA, which is not regulated typically by, by the insurance regulator. Uh, another form that we thought about was a some sort of an association or club where you pay a membership fee, not the premium. And then the club actually has a group insurance for their members. Um, in different lines of businesses, and th- but there's always a gap, right? Um, if you're talking a deductible or an excess of loss for all risks, you know, as a for, from a line of business perspective, it's never clear in which li- which line covers the deductible, right? It's basically the line where you have the first losses in a year because we, we we're starting every year. So you know, from a regulatory perspective, this is not clear. So this is something to overcome. Um, it's a it's a re- it's clearly a regulatory challenge. Um, it's clearly a pricing challenge. So actuaries, um, and product people will, will hate you, um, because it's, especially if you want a, a flat rate or income-based, uh, but also if you want, you know, a hundred thousand, uh, data points and then price it individually, it's, uh, the, the, the positive connotation of, you know, everything is covered, but, um, is, is super difficult. Um, and, and then the across the line deductible is also super different for actuaries to price. So it's, it's not a natural thing to price, um, so it's a challenge from from um, from an actual point of view as well, and then it's a challenge from from a sales um, a point of view because you you need to switch your sales channel from advisors. You know, I advise you, Nick. You need to cover X, Y, Z risk. You know, um, A risk is actually okay to cover yourself. You know, you don't need to coverage because you're rich enough to cover it yourself. Kind of thing. It's you know this, and then you you know. This deductible, this this coverage, and so go, get rid of the advisory approach. It's a sales approach. It's an explanation. It's an explanation approach. You need to explain that everything is covered except for two or three exceptions, and that people can take off their lives and 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 not take care of anything that's unexpected. So it's a different approach um, in terms of selling. I don't think that the, the typical sales channel, insurance sales channels, that have been trained for decades. To advise people on which risk to cover and which not, and by what, and with which company, um, they they need a totally different approach to selling things. So it's not it's not a natural fit for any sales channel out there in insurance. Would you say
0: that? And and you know, let's. I mean, you have more experience in that. I mean, I think I think it probably depends. I think there's some who are more on the advice, more on the kind of product let's sale. Um, I do. But I feel that if you if you target customers who kind of don't have to switch, right? You know, young customers, expatriates, probably easier, or if you could make a very good financial calculation of why you're actually saving this um, and not having to report all of these things to the insurer, that could be a different type of advice because you would have to compare those two options. Um, and maybe... The whole point about you know you you don't have to report all of these things um, might be might be interesting. Would you say it's it's good or bad for direct? Because I would say you could target expatriates, maybe younger people, potentially more easily, um, and because you don't have all of this advice required, the customer journey. Because I think that's where a lot of people kind of went wrong. A, cust- a digital um, quote bind flow is not actually that convenient to a customer. You still have to go through all of these questions and yes. you basically still need to figure out these things yourself. So would you say yay or nay on a direct distribution model?
1: I'd say uh, yay, um, but but um, probably late in the process because it, the the concept needs some distribution i mean people need to know about it nobody would google the one policy right today because the concept is so unknown so you need marketing um and and you know but facebook then- you know you
0: could you could i mean wouldn't it you could there's other you don't just need to do google ads right yeah people would not necessarily look for it but you know there's other i mean i, I don't use tiktok i don't actually use facebook anymore or instagram but I, I hear that this is, you know, where you can kind of do certain impressions and yeah. um, you can target your specific audience very easily. It's yeah. still paid, sure. But the funnel then, so, so I would... I would you know I, I would say that might be and yes and then it would have to be somewhat educational around it for, for people but yes. but the, the funnel is different than going here's my 50 products just go through them and click <laughs>
1: click through all yeah, of yeah, these yeah. Things. Absolutely. you know i mean it's all a matter about ltv to cac right so lifetime customer value typically super high with that one policy um people you know again it's it's a, it's the ultimate cross selling um people buy any everything every coverage from one insurance company so they're super loyal Lifetime and 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 you know many many products two thousand five hundred per year, um, that's that's a super high lifetime customer value. But the CAC is super high as well. And so I I my my guess would be as long as you have to start educating people from zero on Facebook and still pay per click to Facebook, I I my guess would be the conversion ratio is so super low because people are not sticking with you in the entire educational process, which will probably take hours um also to for them to understand and click through um so I my guess would be but but up to be to be tried you know my guess would be it's it's unless there's some education up front and you have you just have to do the fine print kind of thing with them um the conversion ratio and you're still buying clicks from from Facebook or whoever. Um, is too low to justify even the high lifetime customer. But to be tried, to be tested. Does it require, because I was
0: just thinking, does it, because you, you're basically targeting people who are already uneducated around it. So you don't need to uneducate or reeducate anyone. It's basically, if you're an expatriate and you know, have nothing better to do than figuring out what the local insurance landscape looks like, go for it. Or here's the one, you know, here's the one policy. It is this much of your income. it covers, you know the, it covers everything across these things. And if you particularly want to ensure your cost you can decide to do that. but but what it means is you're covered. you can focus on so so I, I would have thought, what what is there so much to educate on? I mean, it's a it's from a customer point of view, it's a pretty simple product, isn't it?
1: It is, but it's also expensive, right? I mean, um, not many people pay two and a half thousand per year on on insurance coverage. um and so, And again, it's a topic that people don't want to deal with. So you need to explain to them, why is it good for you? You know, you could lose your job. Um, Yes, probably people can relate to that. Um, You could, you know, you could become disabled and then not be able to work. It's it's super hard to sell. I mean, try to sell a a disability insurance in Germany. People are not buying the concept of this could happen to me. People are saying, wait a second, you know, 40% of all disability disability cases are, uh, you know, um, 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 psychological. Right, mentally, uh, that doesn't happen to me. You know, people are telling me that doesn't happen to me. Ollie, are you fucking out of your mind? I mean, I'm a stable person. Okay. I, I, why would I, right? Could I become cancer? Yes, but that's only five percent of the cases. Could I become, you know, pain in the back? Yes, probably, but actually, not happening to me. I'm a tough guy, you know. It's, I'm, I'm, I would still be working. People but are okay. buying the concept of, you know, this could happen to you. Um, and so, you know, again, this for that price, you know, it needs a lot of of uh, education and explanation.
0: Do you then see that it does require or warrants a a political discussion as well? Um, Because, you know, with the or at the very least to try to get state funding or some support or some
1: potential tax benefits or something? Yes. I I do think that people that offer the one policy should talk to the the Tax or social security authorities. Um, and maybe there's a, a win-win situation where Social Security pays, let's say, 50% of what they save um, on the customers that have the one policy um, in, in, in terms of a, a discount for the for the customer. Um, so there could be a way of making that coverage even cheaper um, and still leaving some of the costs to the taxpayer. And ideally eventually, you know, taking all, all, all the costs off the taxpayers um, back. Um, but there could be a way of starting that to subsidize it uh, with payments that otherwise would need to be paid by the state, right? Um it's I mean we're talking unemployment insurance, we're talking disability insurance. Um, you know we're talking, yeah, welfare, um minimum minimum wages or whatever. And, and and that's that's what we what we basically get rid of um or we privatize it. So yes, there is a way of thinking about subsidizing that, getting that subsidized by social security organizations.
0: So, if you were a CEO or someone in charge of at an insurance company looking being interested, what would be some kind of tangible steps of how to approach this topic? What would be some advice uh, you 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 give so it doesn't it's not just a discussion point for Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you said, and and, and we always say in, in our podcast, um, the key thing to all insurance is sales channel, right? Um, you, can, you can have the brightest product and the smartest solutions if you don't sell it and you need to sell it, you need to push it, right? So I take care of the, the sales approach first by either winning a first-time, at least mid-sized employer um, that is willing to pay those premiums for their employees, or a a dedicated sales organization that approaches an easy win and easy is you know, it's not super easy. It's easier than the rest. easy win uh, t- uh, customer segment, like the newly uh, new newly appointed um expats or so in in my country um to take care of the of the sales of the sales funnel of and the sales um, um, channel. and then i I go with a. An approach that is beyond the the today's all risk policies. It's beyond the collection, the bundling of three, four, five policies or so, because that doesn't work. Um, and I'd go with a negative catalog. I go with you know this is what we cover um, except for, and there's potentially there's a longer list of negatives than ideally in the in the finished product. Um, if my actuaries can't work with a two three uh, item list, uh, we need to go. We might need to go with a ten or twenty item list. Um, but yes, you need to, to to kind of get that through the the internal product and, and actuarial people, and underwriters. Um, and then I think the regulatory issue is something that needs to be considered if you want to do it. I I, I personally don't think you can do it as an insurance company. Um, you need some organization between the customer and U.S. An insurance company. Again, could be an MGA that you could probably you know start yourself. Um, or, or or or, it could be a club or, or an association where you know somebody pays a membership fee. That's probably more complicated to do as an insurance company, but you need to you need to solve the regulatory issues. I think they're solvable. Um, but it's not just another line of business with new insurance because it's not a line of business, right? per definition. So um I think those are the three the three issues I'd, I'd tackle. Uh, but again, without sales, um, you can you can solve the other two issues, but it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be and a success. if it's if it's categorized as a, you
0: have the same problems if it's categorized as a reinsurance policy rather than a but it has to be a primary insurance policy because you primary insurance.
1: reinsurance can't sell to retail customers yeah. directly, so you need a primary insurer in between, and even the reinsurers have line of business uh, coverages. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, you could probably, you know, as a, as a, you could probably easier, um, um, legally easily, uh, uh, write a reinsurance contract across lines of business than an insurance contract, um, in terms of reporting and and, and regulatory. But um, but still, you need a primary carrier. Um, you could you can one hundred percent reinsure it. And yes, it would be super nice for for um, reinsurance companies. And and having said that, you know, it's it's actually possible for smaller insurance companies to do this um, if you have a reinsurance company behind you that can cover the the, the losses, which are obviously higher, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we, we take, we, we're, we're talking excessive loss, so it's high losses. So you, as a smaller insurance company, you want to reinsure that. Again, you need the licenses though, right? You need all the licenses, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not 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 uh, marine or so, but well, maybe you need a marine if somebody has a yacht. <laughs> okay. Um, any
0: any kind of um... Final final words before we wrap up regarding the one insurance policy.
1: No, I mean I I'd, I'd be happy to see. I mean we've been working on the one policy in in, in, uh, in one insurance. I mean therefore the name. So we've been we've been done a lot of work actually. Um, unfortunately, you know we didn't that the team didn't get to finish it um, because you know, the one insurance, which now Wefox Insurance has decided to go a different route um but we've done a lot of work I'd, I'd love to see somebody else doing the work we see a couple of approaches um that go in the right direction but i'd like to see i'd love to see more insurance executives thinking about it and 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 doing the first steps because i think it's one not the only but it's one major potential to close the the protection gap which again ends up as as tax or social security payments for everybody it's not you know it's not uncovered it's just covered by the wrong people the people that are not supposed to covering natural catastrophes um it's social it's it's welfare because that's where people end up when when their houses get destroyed and they don't have insurance
0: and i i assume that if anyone listening to this and has a you know a, a... A proper interest in this that you'd be also open to, to discussing and sharing some of the uh, insights and opinions that you have around what you've
1: absolutely i mean we've learned a lot you don't have to do every mistake again we've done a lot of mistakes um we are for obviously at the beginning we thought that changing people's habits uh, and we're talking risk protection that's something we haven't gone into but you know if you're covering an entire people's lives now, risk protection is 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 a different thing than if you just just cover them for one sure. line of business so uh, prevention is is could become a big thing as one insurance we we first thought we need to you know take care about the prevention first before offering the product in order to lower the risk of our one policy customers that's been that's been a mistake um people don't don't want an insurance company to interfere with their with their habits and behavior um but what i'd say is it 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 must be a part of the of the equation and it can be because you know you're then the the single provider of financial care for unexpected events and that i think elevates you into a position where you can talk to customers about changing habits or or behavior um, but it's the other way around. It's not changing behavior first and then selling them the bond mm-hmm. policy, it's selling the low people low-risk people the wrong policy. That's been in the uh, so we've learned a lot of things along the way. We've learned about, you know, you can't take do it as an insurance company, you need an MGA or club first. We have the advantages and disadvantages of both solutions. So we've we've gone fairly far in implementing this um, and 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 thinking it through. We, we we've arrived at a pricing, um, a flat rate pricing as well as an income based pricing. So um, yes, I'd, I'd be happy to share that because I think it's a it's a super valuable product for our industry. It's it's not going to be the only product. There's always going to be people going to you know um, comparison portals and, mm-hmm. and and optimizing the shit out of their insurance coverage. Um, but it's, it's, I think it could be one of the major innovations for insurance that actually has also a social cause um, mm-hmm. for everybody. So yes, happy, more than happy to share any experience we've done, um, we've made in, in in one insurance. Awesome. Oli, thank you very much.
0: And everyone else, thank you for listening. Have, Have a, a lovely day. day. Bye. Bye.